Hi, you're listening to After Dinner Conversations, short stories for long discussions. What that means is we get short stories, we select those short stories, and then we discuss them specifically about the ethics and the morality of the choices the characters and the situations put us in. Uh, why did you do this? What makes you do this? What makes us good people? What's the nature of truth, goodness, all of that sort of stuff? Uh, and hopefully we're all better, smarter people for it and, uh, and learn a little bit about why we think the way we think. So thank you for listening. Hi, and welcome back again to After Dinner Conversation, short stories for long discussions, where we take short stories that have sort of ethical issues, the, you know, the trolley problem in short story form is what I tend to tell people. Uh, and so we discuss them and we talk about, you know, uh, would I pull the lever and let the guy die and save the five people? But uh, it's our short stories that we discuss. And so uh, please like and subscribe. And uh, let your friends know about the podcast. There are also the short stories if you go to the website afterdinnerconversation.com. And it's all over social media. There's a Facebook page, an Instagram page. Actually, I recently got us a TikTok page. Uh, and the main thing I have learned by looking at TikTok is that our future is really in trouble. <laughs> um, I, I had no idea how much stupid there is in the world. Until I saw TikTok. You know, you just alienated all of our, like, 15 and under crowd. I, I don't think we have statement. a 15 and under crowd. They're, right. According to gone. TikTok, so they're too busy, like, dancing in front of a camera like an idiot. <laughs> oh, don't was, lie. There's a couple of ones that are oh super funny. I, yeah, like, I feel like, I feel like, uh... Wait, yeah. do you put anything on the TikTok I page? do, actually. I post, I post, um, links, like, little... 30 second clips of what we do on TikTok in the hopes that it will get a 15 year old like off of uh, their self-absorbedness to go and watch our listen to our show or read our short stories. I am not optimistic about that ever happening, but it's like one of those things like maybe TikTok will eventually be go mainstreamer for like people of middle age or older. Uh, well, all the but, big time celebrities are joining on now. Yeah, so. right. I follow the rock. Um so yeah, at any rate, uh, social media, it's everywhere, all that stuff. Um, our book is out, After Dinner Conversation Season 1. We also have a Patreon group uh, that you can go to, After Dinner Conversation, at Patreon. Um, and that gets you into our weekly uh, virtual book club, where you can do what we're doing right now. You can get together with other readers and talk about it, and I moderate it. Um, and we do that for like in 45 minutes or an hour every week, every Sunday night. It's kind of fun, actually. Um, and once in a while, the, actually, one of the cool things about it is the authors that write the short stories, they actually will, they've asked me if they could join in the discussion. And I was like, look, you can join in the group, but you can't be, you can't be a part of the discussion. Because that would be a little bit like if, you know, if John Lennon was like, no, this is what my song really means. It's not about LSD. It's really <laughs> about this girl named Lucy who had diamonds. Uh but uh, some of the authors have been sitting in just to listen to people's conversations about their stories to hear how they're interpreted, which I think has actually been really cool. That is really um, cool. Yeah. Uh, okay. So our new short story today uh, is The Orphan's Dilemma. And Ashley, you are the one who's going to talk about it. Yeah. So The Orphan's cool. Dilemma, written by Chris Burrow. Uh, it is a story about this kid named Harold, and he is in an orphanage. And there is this procedure where 
it will effectively wipe his memory and fill his memory with uh, basically a whole new life story. And when he wakes up, he's now living that new life story with a family. Um, and his whole debate is, does he want to go through that procedure? He's like waiting outside the doctor's office or something to get it happen, right? Like- Correct. With all of his friends from the orphanage. Okay. Um, and the concept is... Uh, if that was kind of your only way out, which by the way, the orphanage is not the best of situations. It's, it's by all appearances, it sounds overcrowded. It's not the best, but it's also not like the most terrible thing in the world. I just want but to say every orphanage that I read about ever in my life is the orphanage from the 1970s Little Orphan Annie movie. Sure. That's just what I imagine. Yeah. I just imagine Annie yeah. being like, Annie. It's okay. <laughs> So, uh, it, it brings up the question of um, one not only of of do would you how how far are you willing to go to get a life that you've never experienced and how much you've desired, yet also knowing that that is a huge unknown and who knows if it's worse than the life that you had before. It's this huge leap that this teenager is asked to make, and on the flip side, it talks about. I, for me personally, I thought it looked at the deeper question of adoption in general, whether it be an animal or a person or what have you. How many of us are not as apt to adopt an older dog or an older kid because of, um, unbeknownst to us, what their past trauma or what their history is? You know, we always want that fresh start. So this is in a way, a way to adopt an older older child, um, basically without baggage. Without baggage, because you have basically created their backstory. So let me let me just make sure I understand the story one more time, Ashley. Just so so this kid's sixteen years old, and he's going to go through a procedure where basically those sixteen years of his life in the orphanage are wiped clean. Mm-hmm. They implant some like generic happy memories. It's a memory that actually the family that's going to adopt him. They selected it for him. They or have some say in it. Okay, is my so they help write his his me- implant. Correct. And then so when the family adopts him, he wakes up on like Christmas Day or whatever, and he thinks he has always lived with that family. Yeah, no, that he was not adopted. Correct. That he that- has no memory of an orphanage. None okay. of none of his previous memories even exist anymore. Okay, and you're saying that that's. It sounds like you don't like that idea because the same reason that people don't want to get uh, like I, I would personally. I'm just going to speak for myself here. I don't want a dog that is super skittish. That's like a pound dog. Like if I'm going to get a dog from the pound, I want to get a puppy. I don't want to get like a four-year-old dog because it like it 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 like pees a little bit every time someone shuts a door because it's so scared because that's like – I get that those dogs need homes, but I don't – like – but if I'm being honest with myself, I don't want that dog. That's fine, but at least there's so many other dogs in the shelter, you can pick the one that doesn't have that habit. Sure. Why do you need to create it from scratch in your own image? I don't want my own image. I, I don't care if the dog likes Star Trek and computer games, but I, but I do uh, the dog. I mean, the person. Sorry. I don't, I don't, I don't care if my... I guess <laughs> the, the dog's the, like, yeah! The dog's like, yeah, this, yep. this series really did get better after Riker got a beard. Uh, what? Um, no, so, so, 
I mean, no, I don't care if, if I adopt a kid who likes the same things I like. Like, you could have your own kid and they might not like the same things you like. But I do I want to adopt a kid who, uh, you know, does drugs or is, you know, compulsively lies or... Well, that's like, part of the screening I, process I, when you go through adoption. It's, it's a, you there, meet with the I don't think the there's ki- a checkbox for that. Like, do you want a child who no, was no, molested? But, I'm like, no. No, no but you no. meet the child and... I've never gone through the adoption process, but there has to be a, I would imagine, like, let me meet this person and communicate, or is it just like, oh, you got assigned this kid? I have no idea. Like, I look at it from the animal way. Like, you don't just go to the shelter and they, like, assign you a dog. Like, you can meet with the dog, you can interact with the dog, and then you choose if you want the dog. I mean, think about this, though. (laughs) Like, one of the... Sorry, Jeremy, we'll get to you in a sec, dude. Uh, no, but think, th- think about this. Like, think of the number of parents who will say, uh, I don't want a non-white kid. Like, I want to adopt a white kid. And it's like, okay, so that's the most superficial, shallow thing possible. Like, there is no difference between the race of your kid and anything, right? Except maybe you'll have to learn how to do, like, hair that you don't, you know, you'll have to learn how to comb hair you've never had to comb before. But that's the most superficial thing, and yet people do it. And so what about things that are not superficial, like actual, like, trauma that the person's dealing with or all that stuff? Like, if, if, if we're willing to allow people to select for superficial reasons, I don't know, maybe allow them to select for not, I don't know. I think this is a really hard one. I, I'm all over the map because my mind's all over the map. What, what what about you, Jeremy? Give us your two cents. What was your takeaway? Yeah, it, no, it's it's a really interesting conundrum. Um, you know, and yes, I understand why both sides would want to do it because it's just a, an easy way to to mesh much better, you know, and and have an immediate relationship. And you help, and especially since they, it seems like they go into it with the kids and help design their backstory. Um, you know, so it's. Uh, it seems like an interesting idea, but uh, the, the author really packs a lot into this in yeah. terms of, you know, both the good and the bad while this kid's sitting in the waiting room of, you know, here are these good experiences and here are these bad experiences and uh, all of these things going on that are, you know, uh, make it a, a hard choice. Ashley, you're missing out. Oh, there's a kitty. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> sorry. I was like, <laughs> rereading parts of the story to sorry yeah so yeah. so so i mean i think that's the point you bring up jeremy i totally agree with and i had, so one of my first thoughts of this was uh like you won't let a kid vote but at 16 you're gonna let them have like agree to have their memory wiped setting that aside uh what do you think jeremy of the idea of sort of removing this bag well let me ask you first off if you were in this situation of the 16-year-old, what would you have done? Would you have had your memory wiped? Probably not. Okay, why? Um, uh, in the case of what he talks about, he's already had a lot of really good experiences. And even what he thinks are bad experiences have been uh, really educational for him. Yeah. You know, he has a lot of relationships that are that are an important part of his character. Um, so, I mean, looking at it that way, um, I would think no. You know, it's... Plus, he's only two years away from essentially being adult and not needing to be attached to two parental units. He would be by himself. Um, But an interesting point of the story, um, 
is that I think they there's a lot of things that really tie this into the hero's journey, um, where the 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 discussion of specifically when he talks about jumping into the pool and you know you know why couldn't the procedure be the very miracle it seemed you know he remembers diving into this cool or cold spring-fed pool and when he came out he felt um, he was you know he felt new he felt like a new person yeah sorry cat get down <laughs> <laughs> um, so kind of this whole idea of death and rebirth only through death and rebirth can you become the hero of your story only by letting go of you mean by like letting go of the things in the past yeah you yeah know, and, and that that's that's a subtext in this story is that only through this the hero's journey of death and rebirth can you really become that the hero of your own story that's and interesting that, so i read it a very different way like i, I get that it's a hero's journey but um, I, I feel I, like he kept circling back to, yes, all this trauma happened to me, but I, I turned it into a positive. Well, exactly. That's more, so, yeah. And so I think there's the, both me, sides of this. Um, and I really like how he did that for he sort of presents both sides of this that, you know, only through doing this thing can you become, uh, you know, uh, can you become new, but he's also done all of these things already that are important foundations. So he really presents this dichotomy very well. I agree. Story. And I think 16 was the right age. So if this kid had been like seven, get the procedure, right? But at 16, right. you, you're not a person yet. Like you're, you know, you obviously you don't have a fully formed personality, but you've definitely are pointed towards a direction, right? Yeah. And, and you, you know, it reminded me of, and I hate to do this. I feel like every episode we bring back a Star Trek episode, but I'm not. I'm not going to break that trend now. Uh, there's in one of the horrible Star Trek movies. I don't remember which one. Uh, there, one of the guys has a way that he can like uh, remove the mem remove your pain, and he does it with each character and blah blah blah. And they gets he gets to Kirk, and he goes to remove his pain, and Kirk's and it doesn't work on him. He doesn't want it to happen, and he's like, "Why not?" Uh, he's like, "You carry it with you everywhere." And his response is, that's me. Like, the thing you're removing isn't my pain. You're removing me. And if I like me, then I must also have to like my pain. Um, and I think when you're 12 or 13, when you're maybe six years old, yeah, remove the pain. <laughs> like, it's fine. But at 16, uh, like, that pain, that's you. And so I don't... I don't think I would get the procedure either, even though it might be in my best interest to get the procedure for that reason. I, I think it's interesting how you see him dabble because you're talking about a life that he's never had. How many of us have been like, well, what yeah. would life be like if it was different? So, but now you're actually like, this can legitimately happen. Like that's, that's yeah. a huge decision weighing on a 16 year old kid who obviously just wants to be loved. Um, and just wants to have that family, wants what he's never had. And yeah. he doesn't even, my understanding is I don't know how much outside world experience he has because outside I, of the orphanage, outside of the, or he doesn't, the orphanage ever. So he has this idea in his head of what a family is, but has he actually seen it? Yeah. Has he actually know what it is? And I think it's, he must know something because he mentions what if the family to them, what if happiness to them is violence? What if, 
And you how, don't know what you're buying into. Look at from the the, right. the parents' perspective. How psychotic must the parents be that they're only going to adopt a child that they can form themselves? Like that's super scary. Like that's a Karen, by the way, that would do that. Going back to our last. No story, gosh, that's totally a Karen that would. But do it, that. It, like, it, I only want a kid that I can like steps clean. Exactly. Like, and not just a couple years, but sixteen years worth. They can help mold. Uh, that's, that's pretty, who would, who would want to have that control over another person 16 years worth to right, that so, degree? Well, that's another subtext of the story too. This whole, uh, the whole leap of faith idea. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That, that is really, the hero's journey for sure. Yeah. That you're having to take this leap of faith to find out if, you know, that things are going to be well or not. So what about this, Jeremy? This is, uh, this is the part that, that, that put me more on the fence than I would have thought. So there his life right now is pretty set, right? He's going to get out of the orphanage. He's going to probably get a high school degree. He might be successful, but he's going to have a lot of chips stacked against him, right? He doesn't have good role models. He doesn't have uh, access to resources. He doesn't have access to education, et cetera, et cetera. If he goes through this process and he's willing to like cut that part of himself off, even though it is legitimately the thing that gives him personality, um, he might, depending on the family that he gets, he might be buying um, better emotional stability, better role models, a family that can afford to pay for his college education, uh, a family that can afford to, uh, you know, help him with, uh, you know, when he's behind on a car payment. That is a huge if, medical though. insurance. That is a huge if. Not every parent is like that. Right. I agree. So let's say that at best it's a 50-50 chance. Right now he's got a, a, a zero chance or very low. Like his odds might not be 100%, but they're going to go up. And so the part that I thought that I struggled most, most with hmm. in this story is, yes, the people are horrible for asking this. Yes, it's going to delete his personality. Yes, our pain makes us who we are. But is it the smart Vegas odds? And I think it right. is the smart Vegas odds. Yeah, definitely. Never thought uh, of it that way. So basically, you're saying you you want to read the fine print of the contract before you move any <laughs> go any further. Uh, yeah, actually, so so yeah, I would. So if part of the agreement was, uh, you know, this family agrees to pay for my college education, that's part of the deal of me getting this procedure and the adoption. I yeah. I, I would then change my opinion and I would do it. But what if the parents they yeah, okay, they're going to they'll pay for your education, but they want you to there's so much control over what you study in school or yeah, you're going to school but you're miserable. Sure. So maybe I get a degree in accounting because they're like accountants always get jobs, but you know what? I've got a degree in accounting. But in the process of that, it messes you up so bad that you yeah. maybe you drop out of school. These, these are all true the things. Pressures on it. These yeah. are all true things, but if I'm playing the table, the table says you go with the family and the this. wipe. Yeah. yeah. Does that does that to pay for this? Does that change your opinion at all, Jeremy, or do you still think that's not no, worth I, the giving up your personality? You make a good argument. Uh, you know, so I would definitely think long and hard about it. The but, thing is, they they never uh, mention that. All it mentions is the no, emotional stability no, is what he wants. He wants the family. He wants love because he's sixteen. He's thinking of it from yeah. a I want family standpoint. I'm thinking of it from a you're going to want a four hundred one case. Some point, some point standpoint. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Jeremy, any other thoughts for you that jumped out before I go through our questions? 
well, it was really interesting just as a backup. You you immediately go to Star Trek, but uh, he included a, a nice reference to the he anime. Did. Um, mm-hmm. Which, which I didn't get that reference because I didn't. I don't watch an, enough anime. You haven't seen that particular anime. No, I haven't. Uh, no but it, it absolutely fits the storyline, um, where you know Shinji, uh, the character that they they reference, goes through that same hero's journey. He basically is an orphan and has all of these same emotions. Um, so it is, you know, is a really good reference to put in here. Um, that that I went and fell down a, a you know an internet uh, uh, rabbit hole. Yeah, going and, and researching that so one, uh, as part of this. It was so, pretty good. So one of the things I really liked about this story, uh, and it's the same thing I liked about, like, for the example, the movie Clerks, right? Is, like, people that make movies watch movies, and so they incessantly put movie references in movies, like the way the Marvel movies do. But, but so you, what you're doing is, like, you're writing your own perspective into characters that don't have that perspective. Uh, the thing I liked about Clerks is it has a million movie references, but the guy works at a video store. So, of course, right. he would have a million movie references in his head. And the thing I liked about this is it's a science fiction sort of framework, um, but the character is interested in science fiction. Therefore, yes. the very things that he's struggling with and the very kinds of questions he's asking, he has a reason to ask, as opposed to the author just being like, well, I have these questions, so I'm going to stick them into a 16-year-old. Uh, and I thought that was a really good way to make the questions seem authentic to the character, which I was really appreciative of. Mm. I yeah. wonder. I, I wonder how they got to this situation where this actually became a thing. Was there just not a demand enough for uh, you know clean slates? Like there's all these kids in the older population, but not enough of the youngins that were desired yeah. in the orphanage. So in my mind, so finally someone came along and was like, "I've got this mind wiping technology that just finally is like we're going to solve the problem." So in my mind, they just ran out of like white babies, yeah. and they were like, "Well, nobody." <laughs> and by the time a kid's like eleven or twelve years old, they're like, "Well, nobody wants you now. Like we're just going to hold on to you till you're eighteen and you age out." And somebody was like, "Hey." I can help clear out your 12 to 18 year olds. I'd like to know what the research is of the, I'm, I'm just going to use dogs as an example because humans gets me a little emotional, but yeah. what and, it's and just easier for me to think of. Uh, what? I figured the dogs would get you more emotional. Yeah. Right. I love dogs. Um, but you talk about not wanting to adopt an older dog because of him being skittish. What yeah. is the proportion of dogs that are older in the pound that have, Hi, this is Colby, and you are listening to After Dinner Conversation, short stories for long discussions. But you already knew that, didn't you? If you'd like to support what we do at After Dinner Conversation, head on over to our Patreon page at patreon.com backslash afterdinnerconversation. That's right. For as little as $5 a month, you can support thoughtful conversations like the one you're listening to. And as an ad incentive for being a Patreon supporter, you'll get early access to new short stories and ad-free podcasts, meaning you'll never have to listen to this blurb again. At higher levels of support, you'll be able to vote on which short stories become podcast discussions, and you'll even be able to submit questions for us to discuss during these podcasts. Thank you for listening, and thank you for being the kind of person that supports thoughtful discussion. You talk about not wanting to adopt an older dog because of him being skittish. 
What is the proportion of dogs that are older in the pound that have negative habits? Like, are we just perceiving them to be dirty when they are, or bad or not of sound mind? Or are they actually really not that bad? Have we had this stigma on them? All right. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to challenge you on this one. I'm going to tell you why. Here's why I challenge you. So, because I've gone to the pound a couple of times, my sister, when she gets dogs, what does she do? She walks by all the chihuahuas and all the small dogs because they're, because as a breed, they see, she believes, I don't know if this is true or not, that they are yippy, nappy, like hyperactive, skittish dogs. And she doesn't want that trait in the dog she gets. Okay. And then the next thing she does is she goes and she finds another dog and she flips it over on its back and holds it there to see if it struggles and fights mm-hmm. or if it's docile. Mm-hmm. And so what she's doing is she's testing the personalities of this dog, mm-hmm. either by race or, you know, by, by, by type. By breed. Or yeah. By breed or by, or by temperament. And if somebody could go to her, if she could go into the pound and they're like, well, what, what, what size dog do you want? And we'll make it whatever kind of docile or whatever you want. She would do it. Yeah. The The issue is you're you're taking a dog that's in, I mean, you've walked into a pound. It's loud. It's noisy. Put yourself, have you ever sat in a dog cage and just had people walk in front of you constantly and then stick their fingers in the cage at you? I have. It is very frightening. So those dogs aren't acting in their natural temperament. Yeah. So it's really hard to make that judgment um, in that way. So bringing this back to the story, um, how many of these older kids are actually would actually be a wonderful fit for so many families? Do they just need to have personality tests and temperament tests and actually do trial periods? Or is that too much of a psyche on the kid to believe this might be my family? Oh, no, this might be my family. Oh, I just... Yeah, all of that has an impact. So I think instead of doing a... um, you know, such a, a mind race, I would have liked to seen the research go more towards a personality um, to the best that they can without doing emotional damage to the kid, whether it be personality tests, and then kind of a pairing off of that. Some sort of like, you know, 80, 90% success rate. So there isn't this throw them back, try another one, throw them back, try another one. Hey, Jeremy, let me ask you this. Uh, so if you were to adopt someone, and I know you're not going to, but but if you were, are there things that you would want to know first? Like, would you want them to take a Myers-Briggs test? Would you want them to, like, like uh, you know, would you want to know if they had been uh, molested as a child? Would you, like, what do you feel is fair and that you would want to know? And what do you think is like, hey, I'm going to love them regardless, and that's just the way it goes? That's a hard question. Having... Um hosted foreign exchange students. Oh, yeah. You did. You, you hosted know, like where, half a dozen. That A lot of them came with baggage. Uh, a dozen. Yeah. A, dozen, a lot of yeah. them came with baggage. And yeah. And it would have been right. Those are things you want to know is what kind of what kind of situation are they coming from? Coming like you had, from. You had someone who was a smoker, right? Who was like a 16-year-old smoker. We had... Right. We had one... Uh, a girl who came in who had been... Uh, entered into a foreign exchange program to get her out of a negative situation where she was involved with drugs and bad people in her home country and they needed to get her out and they so could they they, paid and they couldn't afford a boarding school kinda, i guess um for whatever the situation was and they they're like we're gonna remove you from the situation and this is the only way we can do it and so how long um, did you have this exchange student that uh 
was basically shipped off by her parents because she hung out with crazy people that did drugs and did bad things? Um, only three months. Okay, and, and it is was that, a long three months. And but that was the term period that you had signed up for. No, that it was supposed to be the whole school year, um, but after three months, it was just. How old you know, was she? Like sixteen, fifteen? Yeah, sixteen, seventeen. Okay, so so was it a mutual decision, or were you just like, oh, I can't? No. Uh, we just we had to go back to the agency and say you have to find her another place to like live. Like she's a train wreck. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I guess that's my question then. So knowing that – I totally forgot about the dozen exchange students that you've yeah. posted over the years. Knowing that, like, would you feel comfortable doing that same thing with someone you adopted? Like you adopt a kid and find out that they've got like a two-pack-a-day smoking habit and they're going to get kind of edgy if they don't, you know, if they don't do ecstasy <laughs> once every I, couple of weeks. I feel like I would want to know all of that up front. You would want to know the history. And I, yeah. and I think that's – a probably you learn that stuff with adoption or with uh, foster care or any of that, that you are getting that kind of information. All right. So I what, assume. so what this means then is you previously said you would not get your memory wiped, but based on what you're saying, you would like the person you're getting to have their memory wiped. <laughs> no, not necessarily. I, you would just want to know, I would just want to know their whole situation before bringing them into my house. But isn't there kind of a, I mean, if a kid wants to get adopted, isn't there some sort of um, tendency for them to want to, you know, not Absolutely. lie, but just <laughs> exaggerate in a positive way? Put on a good way. face. Yeah, put on a good yeah. face and be like, look, I don't really smoke two packs a day. I have like one or two cigarettes a day. And you're like, mm, no, you don't. <laughs> I think sadly, there's enough um, parents who have their own children and also want to raise them in a certain mental space or a type of way. And that kid turns out to be nothing like they had dreamed of or w tried to raise the kid as. And yeah. then sure enough, they there's no guarantee of emotional stability, whether your memory was wiped or not, because even kids that are born from the parent, like their actual DNA, like that is their biological child. That kid, no matter how much you try to influence them, isn't going to be how you envision them to be. Uh, so I, I, I find it as a way of uh, mental manipulation and I, I don't like it. All right. So let me go, let me go with one last question as we're sort of wrapping up ish. We got a, maybe a couple more minutes, but uh, one of the questions that we had, the very first question in our discussion questions was, what is the best outcome when a child is adopted? And does this encourage the best outcome? So if, and the reason I, I wrote this question is the best outcome is a successful adoption in a loving family, right? And while we can go back and forth about the, like, it's getting rid of my personality. Why don't you just love me as I am? Why don't you accept me? This creates who I am. If the goal is a successful adoption, why would you not do everything that created the best chance of a successful adoption. Because he goes into who are these people that want to have a kid that has his memory wiped? What kind of sadistic um, controlling parents are these? Okay, but I can solve this problem then. Though, then instead of it being an opt-in program, let's just say the, 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 the adoption agency as a policy says all kids, when they walk out the door, get their... Their memories wiped if they, if they want to get adopted. 
Yeah, that's like the, then it's that's, not about then it's not about the family choosing that you have your memory wiped. It's just it's a it's a policy. So then you're not worried about the then it's not the family you know being weird, being a bunch of Karens. But the the memories wiped and filled in with part of it being the image of the parents that are going to adopt you. Yeah. I mean, I suppose you could pick your own memories if you wanted to. No, my understanding is that it was a, yeah. it was a, a joint that the the joint the people that are going to adopt you implant their memories in with you. Well, that would make sense. Like they wouldn't want to have some. That pe- way, you have memories of Christmas with them, and they're right. like, "This is how Christmas would be with us," and right. that sort of thing, or whatever holiday or right. whatever. Yeah. So that's the thing is you have you're basically giving up um, your whole life to be filled with memories from people that you really don't know very well. He says they meet, I think, for a couple of times, but you don't really know their personality. So you're entrusting of these people to set you without really even knowing who that person is. Like, it's like trusting a stranger on the street. Hey, wipe my brain and you're going to create my new memories. You don't know that person. So it sounds like you wouldn't do this either. I, I... I wouldn't. So, so, so Ashley's a no. Jeremy's a no. I'm a no unless it came with a guarantee of a free college education. But so the, right. this is the thing: is you're you have the stipulation of college education, but even then, that's not a guarantee. Because no, what if not. they what if they put in enough like memories into the kit? Hey, okay, so we'll guarantee you college education. We know we really can't afford it, so we're going to set some memories in there that makes the kid not want to go to college. Make you want to be an electrician. Right, right. One, I mean, who knows? Who, who there is no guarantee. I yeah. think it also sets the stipulation. Said trade college, right? Yeah, right. I also think it sets. It's the sti- a college for the community. <laughs> you you always talk about um, inclusion and not gentrification. Well, what about people's backgrounds? What about people that have been adopted? People that were uh, raised in different countries? People that have two moms instead of a mom and a dad? Or people that yeah. like. Th- this I, I is feel just like these are all of... solvable problems, though. You know, you put enough checks and balances in the in the in the program that you know you you know what the background of the parents yeah. is when you're, you're getting adopted. You'd hope, because right now there's horror right. stories of parents but, adopting kids because of the money or what right. have you, their own personal interests. But I, I I say that and then go back to the same exchange program where there were they were did review these students before they came over and still right and the parents know, and the got, people and the people that right. hosted right they came out to your house and walked around and said what does it look yeah. like and is it clean and blah 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 yeah and just sometimes it doesn't work did the same thing right they supposedly yeah. did the same thing for this student but all right so I'm gonna it clearly I, didn't work I'm gonna add one last question in here before we call it quits that's not on our sheet but Ashley you brought up a really good point. So one of the things that I uh, recently have started to believe is there's this idea of sort of, you know, America is a melting pot and we're best because we're a melting pot. And then I I saw someone say, like, no, we don't want to be a melting pot. We want to be a mosaic, right? Like, we don't want everyone to come together and become a blend of everything. We we want all, we, we want our own, we want to value our individuality, because that diversity of opinion, that diversity of history, that diversity of background, that diversity that's sometimes signified in race, but could also be signified in economics or, you know, regional differences, that that diversity of opinion creates a sort of uh, a strength that homogeny does not provide. Um, and by 
having, um, you know, your brains wiped clean and basically you adopt the homogeny of a family that yes, that creates a lack of sort of social discord, but it also creates a lack of diversity, sort of a diver- diversity that creates the strength of diversity of opinions and diversity of backgrounds and all that. Um, what do you think of that as it relates to the, the sense that it encourages homogeny as opposed to diversity? My my only thing is uh, you're you're dealing with children's minds, and they've done studies. You know, children that are raised without parents or uh, even just not having a dad around or not having a mom around. There's this tendency that they grow up with some unresolved issues, and then those traits get kind of carried on. Sure. So this this idea of yeah, you do want diversity, but at at one point is that trait, but not somebody's going to have daddy issues. Well, it's something that's negative in a way, you know. Yeah. Jeremy, what do you think? Right. Uh, or something that's a detriment. Yeah. So maybe... Not, yeah. That, it's not a guarantee because you don't grow up with a mom or a dad right. or you grow up with no parents. Something means that's you're a liability. Gonna... Yeah. It's exactly. something you have to overcome. Yes. Um, no, but I, I think your point is right where the, the mosaic, you know, is a better idea than the melting pot. <laughs> <laughs> the cat just the walked catches. in front of Jeremy, if anyone missed it. Yeah. Oh, we missed the cats. <laughs> no, hi. Yeah, and that's that's the only part that I struggled with. Uh, with this, as I thought about it more, is why the cat's like, what are you doing? That's Jeremy, you've changed since we last saw you. <laughs> so And so that, that goes back to the last part is, I wondered if the better plan, and this opens up a whole other discussion we could have with a whole other short story. <laughs> Is uh, sorry, unless you're talking, I don't think the camera's gonna be on you, but <laughs> no, that's fine. Um, keep talking because this is uh, Jeremy. Keep talking. <laughs> is, I wondered if the version 2.0 of this is a family would say, Look, we don't want to wipe your memory and give you our histories, but we just want to wipe the memories that are going to affect the way that we interact with you. So you still are going to wake up thinking you were a kid who grew up in an orphanage, but you're not going to remember, uh, you know the most extreme traumatic experiences that you had. And maybe we're going to make it seem like it was a better orphanage than it was. And so that when we get you, we're still going to get your personality, but we're not going to get all of your baggage. Mm. Right. I can see that. That would definitely be a more, a a better way to do that program. (laughs) That's just so great. Jeremy with the cat. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm still not because again, you you want to keep you're you're picking and choosing, and I and I get you don't want to have that trauma. I think that's where it comes post wise, therapy working through those issues, and you might not be able to solve all of them, but I feel like yeah. there are workarounds without having to wipe out someone's memory. Yeah, fair enough. I, hopefully. All right, you have been listening to after dinner conversation. That was a hard one. Short, <laughs> yeah, short stories for long discussions. Uh, this is, I think, I, I would say this was one of our better stories discussions. It uh, it, it, went, it goes really well. Uh, we do have yeah, more right. coming up. We'll do some more. We'll probably have a couple of more quarantine episodes. Um, we are up to like episode, I don't even know now, close to 20. Um, we've got a ton of stories in the can. We've got months worth backed up now. Uh, if you want to submit a story, uh, you can submit your short stories to us for consideration at afterdinnerconversation.com. If you want to read them, you can get them on Amazon. You can get them on our website. Uh, if you want to listen to the podcast, it's uh, you know everywhere where you're listening now, but it's also on YouTube. It's also on 
you know, Stitcher, all of it. It's everywhere. Um, and the last thing I would say uh, is if you're enjoying this, please support us on Patreon. It gets you a free copy of uh, our paperback book, Season 1. It also gets you access to our uh, virtual book club, where every Sunday night, uh, fans of After Dinner Conversation come and they join me. And we have a, our own sort of book club about a short story each week. Um, and it's a really good time. And finally, uh, please uh, recommend this podcast or the short stories to a friend. The vast majority of these things expand because of references from friends, not because of advertisements. That's not the way podcasts work. So uh, shoot an email to a friend and say, hey, uh, you know, I've been listening to this podcast for a couple of weeks now or a couple of months, and I really like it. Or I think your kid would really like it because, um, you know, it'd keep him off the TikTok. Uh, and that's how you know I'm getting old because I call it the TikTok. The TikTok. Well, the Facebook yeah. used to be the Facebook. Uh, yeah. <sighs> and uh, I am your co-host Colby with Ashley, with Jeremy, and a cat. What's that? What? Where's the cat doing? Is that Jasper? No, this is Luna. Oh, Luna. Okay. You should talk because she yeah. was purring to your microphone she so earlier. <laughs> she is so cute. All right. So join us again uh, in two weeks, uh, and I'll and submit to our writing competition that's also going on right now. Thank you and goodbye. Bye. If you've enjoyed listening to this, please like and subscribe. Uh, it helps us out a ton. You know, the vast majority of people listen haven't liked and subscribed, which means maybe it shows up in your algorithm, maybe it doesn't. So don't leave that to chance. Just go ahead and hit that button, and we'd sure appreciate that. And uh, that way we can keep doing what we're doing, and you're not left to the whims of some algorithm. Thanks.